Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We're coming to you courtesy of the Starburns Audio Network, and I'm having the French vanilla latte. Our guest this week is as close as we get to a regular on this show, kind of like Rod Hull and his emu on the old Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show. He's a humorous cartoonist, author, showbiz historian, and a celebrated award-winning illustrator whose work has graced the pages of the New York Observer, Spy, Esquire, National Lampoon, Entertainment Weekly, Newsweek, Time, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The New Yorker, and The Late Great Mad Magazine. He's been a key figure in American comic book and comic strip culture for decades, publishing the collections Warts and All, The Fun Never Stops, Too Soon, and Private Lives of Public Figures, several of them co-written by his wife and frequent collaborator, Kathy Bidus. (laughs) (laughs) Or Bidus. Or Kathy Bidus. She beat us with a rod. Sometimes, sometimes we pay her and she beats us. <laughs> sometimes we say, Kathy, please beat us. Anyway, he's also the illustrator and author of Drew Friedman's Sideshow Freaks, Drew Friedman's Chosen People, and the historical portrait series, Heroes of the Comics, as well as providing illustrations for Howard Stern's best-selling books, Miss America and Private Parts. His essential three-volume series, Old Jewish Comedians, featuring lovingly liver-spotted portraits of everyone from Victor Borga, Buddy Hackett, to Gummo Marks are practically guidebooks for this very podcast. His brand new book is All the Presidents, featuring painstakingly accurate renderings of the 45 men to serve as Commander-in-Chief. So, I assume he'll tell us if Calvin Coolidge had a bigger schlong than John Quincy Adams. Back with us once again to shed some needed light on old thing Shemp is the Vermeer of the Borscht Belt and the artist formerly known as Judots, our pal Drew Friedman. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Drew. It's great to be back. Um, I, I have a question for Groucho. Okay. Yes. And let me get this one out of the way. No okay? time is wasted. Let me get this yeah, one out of the yeah. way. Groucho, why did you fuck Richard Pryor up the ass? Because Chico needs the money. Thank you. <laughs> I always wondered. That's a nice icebreaker. <laughs> 
Now, is Mad Magazine really gone? I I don't know what to make of that. Uh, it's, it seems to be gone. I just got a new issue a, a few weeks ago. Gil- Gilbert's not raiding the supply room for free issues. So no. Some, okay. Something well, is wrong. If it, well, they moved to Los Angeles, so unless you want to fly out there, uh, no, for no, free issues. But Sixty-seven years. I'm not buying that they're gone. You're I, not. Huh? I just don't get that sense. They just sent me a pile of issues. I so. know. It's. I, I was surprised. I just by reading it here. Yeah. You just learned about that. Yeah. Okay. Our, I'm I'm very surprised. Our pal Al Jaffe is going strong at 97. 97. Jesus. He'll be he'll be 98 in March, I believe. How about that? I Gil- don't know if he's drawing anymore. I'm probably he's not. a little shaky. Yeah. You know, when these guys they get a little like Charles Schultz got a little shaky towards yeah. the end and David Levine. So they you know, somebody has to convince them to stop. Gilbert loved having Al on the show, didn't oh, you? Great. He had great stories. He's a great. sweet he's a sweet, sweet wonderful man. guy. I know he's become a friend. He's a sweet guy. He did an int- he did introduction to my book, Heroes of the Comics. He he gave that story that was the most chilling story. The one about his mom yeah, and then closing the gate at the train station. Something, yeah, 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 he wrote, heartbra- wrote a whole book about that, yeah. about coming over to this country as a kid. Oh, you know? very... But he had, you know, he was funny and he had talent, so he went to the high school of music and art. Yeah. And met Will Elder and Harvey Kurtzman, those guys, Jeez. and the rest was history. It's a great American success story. A lot of those guys are still with us. A lot Not of the a old, lot. some of well, them. Well, Debartolo still around, or yeah. Arnie Cogan, Frank Jacobs Sergi- is still. Sergio Argonis is still around. The, young, the younger ones and more truckers still. Around. Angelo Torres. More truckers still. Around. I don't think I got a call. I I don't think I've I've, I've mentioned this before online on on air, but uh, a reporter from the New York Times called me and said, Drew, um, I'm writing a, a more truckers obituary. Um, could you give me a few lines? I said, Oh shit! More trucker died. This was like two years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, oh, no, no, we write those in advance. I said, oh, okay. So I gave him some, I talked about Mort, how special he is, what a hero he is to me and everything, how wonderful he is. And then, you know, he thanked me and everything. And then afterwards I thought, yeah, it was really, I, I, I think I said some good stuff. It's like, I'm looking forward to seeing that in print. <laughs> and then I had to say, like, no, shit, I don't want Mort to die. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, I don't mean that, you know. Paul Coker's still with torn. us, too. I was torn. You were torn. Yeah. How old is Mort? Mort was born in 1929, so yeah. that puts him at, at at 91. 91. But Jeez. he doesn't draw either. I think he he um you know he doesn't see so good. You befriended the great Jack Davis too. Well, yeah, we did a whole talk, and I asked him questions that he didn't really know how to answer because I wanted to ask him about if he had met people he had drawn over the years and if he was a fan. So I asked him, "Are you are you a fan of the Monkees?" Because he drew them many times, and he said, "No, no, I didn't particularly like them." He was a sweet Southern gentleman, and yeah. mostly he cared about watching football and playing golf, you know, so, and getting out on the, yeah, he got out on the golf course at two o'clock every afternoon. He just wanted to wrap up his work. So I said, are you a Howard Stern fan? Because he used to draw Howard for, for WNBC. He goes, no, not a fan. I said, how about Don Imus? He said, no, not a fan. <laughs> so I said, how about Homer and Jethro? Because he did a, a ton of their cover. He said, no, never liked them. So, you know, I, I were, I, it was like during the 60s, every other movie poster yeah. was designed by sure. Jack Davis. That's true. Yeah, it was a golden era, starting with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. It was the first one he did. And then I think he also did, if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium. Well, he did. Oh, oh, the night they raided Minsky. Yes, he did. Oh, yeah, that one. Yes, he did. No, he didn't, actually. That was Frank Frazetta. Yeah. Did it was? Yeah, I know that, that was poster. Frazetta, yeah. That was Frazetta, and he actually, he drew Frazetta, he, Frazetta painted that. I thought it's a that was Davis, poster, too. 1968, and Bert Lahr is in the original poster, but Bert Lahr died before the film came out. 
So they had to, they took him out of the poster and put in this British comic who's also in the movie. I forget his name offhand. Um, but he had to be removed. From, but I have both. I have both versions: the the, the Burt Lar version, and then you could see they replaced Burt Lar's face with with this other guy. And uh, and who was it that used to draw the border art, like oh, the edge of the pages? Oh well, Harvey Kurtzman did the original border art for Mad. Uh, is that what you're thinking? For yeah, Mad like those for tiny yeah. cartoons. It was Harvey yeah. Kurtzman, then later on Sergio Argonis. That's did sort some. of in your your doodling style, Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. those little those little yeah, tiny, those tiny tiny figures. That's yeah. yeah, you've seen his doodles. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to get a book of your work published. Yeah, you know, from Fanographics, and I was pushing for it, and I hope it still happens. Yeah, you, but you have to do more. I think there's only 20 drawings. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you have to expand. A yeah. Gilbert, when you, re- when you retire and move to Florida, you'll have more time on Exactly. You know? but oh, I, this this isn't... Oh, go ahead. Bob. I would like to do a forward to that book when you finally do Absolutely. It. So now if you, you know, if you're, if, if, if that's enough to like get you, get you working on new work, you know, it's like, uh, you know. I, uh, it's interesting before the show started here, uh, in the men's room, uh, both me and Drew with Uh-oh. our, with our dicks out peeing in the urinals. <laughs> And this is absolutely true. Drew says to me, so when Rondo Hatton, he was discovered by a guy in his hometown who was a movie maker, and we got into a Rondo where they're holding our dicks and peeing and talking about Rondo Hatton's career. Well, first of all, I was jerking off because Gilbert and I have known each other. Gilbert and I have known each so other. I tell the backstory well, to people who we've haven't known heard each other of the for show. about forty years, and when we see each other, we just launch into talking about, you know, usually old horror movie actors yes. like George Zucco or Onslow Stevens, or you know, more obscure ones, Bela Lugosi, of course, yeah. or Lon Chaney Jr. Especially, but we just like, like naturally, just segue into that as if like we've been talking like for the last, you know, like week or so. Lionel Atwell, yeah, Lionel, of course, yeah. and and uh, and also Drew. Lived about a block and a half from right. my mother. In the East Village. Yeah. So I'd visit my mother, and then on the way home, I'd stop <laughs> off. And this was always the same thing. Uh, he'd answer the door. I wouldn't, neither one of us would say hello to each no. other. I'd sit down on the couch, and you'd put in some well, that's movie. The thing. I had a VCR. <laughs> Watch Gil- the Indestructible Man. Gilbert, no. do you have a VCR yet? <laughs> Yes, I just... Okay, oh. they come in handy. But I had a VCR in the early 80s in, yes. in the East. So you would stop by unannounced yes. and take off your coat and sit down and we'd watch The Manster yes. or The Haunted Strangler or uh, our favorite uh, Lon, Chaney film, Lon Chaney Jr. film uh, where he plays the convict who comes back to life. Oh, The Indestructible. Right, yeah, yeah. right. And we'd sit there in silence and yes. watch these films. We didn't communicate. No, no. Like two mental cases. And then <laughs> Kathy would come home from work and she'd say to me, what is he doing here? <laughs> He's Richard Deacon. And so I'd, then... have to put his co- I'd have to put his coat back on him and send him back to, to his mother's and, apartment. Yeah, and then I'd get back, I'd get up without saying goodbye to each other, no. and I'd just leave. No, there was no communication. No. There was hardly any communication. we just and, watch these movies, you know, because I had a little collection. And and the, the Jew dots is when we were both working for National Lampoon. That's right. Those were the unfunny years. Yeah. Yes. And that's yes. When, and that's when they welcomed us in. Yes. To, uh, become we regulars. Were, we became heroes there. That's right. Right. Yeah. Because when the magazine, be, they, had, they they passed, an, it was an editorial decision, I believe. Okay, we're gonna. Like, what should we do now? Let's make the magazine unfunny. Yes. Yeah. Let's not run any humor in it. And that's when uh, Gilbert and I finally became. Right before the padlock. 
basically came and, out. And, well, then it yeah. moved on to, you know, yeah. like God knows what happened. Jim Jamiro. And yes. I'd be yeah. doing articles, <laughs> and then uh, I would see, like, Drew walk in with his uh, art boards and his latest drawings, and he used to make, like, the shading in dots, millions of little dots. And and I so I used to start screaming, Jew dots! Did you bring some of your Jew dots here? <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's how that started. You yeah. Just like like would like not taunt me, but follow me around screaming Jew dots. <laughs> yes, you know? Jew dots, Jew dots. <laughs> it's like okay, what's your point? Yeah, show us some more of your Jew dots. <laughs> and and um, uh, yeah, that was uh, and but now now because you because of your eyesight, you're doing shading rather than dots. I'm actually doing more dots. Weirdly, I'm like kind of reverting back to the dots, oh. but, with, but with the brush. You oh, know, okay. You know, it's a, it's an interesting process, but I'm actually brushing them on, so they're like more faded. I mean, it's just like uh, a, a revolving process where I'm oh, returning to good. that, so you can you know re- revise that. It's fine. Yes, but I do have another question for Groucho. Okay. <laughs> yes, Groucho. Why did you murder Jimmy Hoffa? Because Chico <laughs> needed the money. <laughs> he, he was a gambler, right? Chico, well, Chico <laughs> likes to gamble. <laughs> and he would lose money gambling. Because you either won money or lost. <laughs> and Chico would. So Chico... Needed the money, so I had to kill Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> I'm going to do a segue here since you brought Thank up you, Jimmy Groucho. Hoffa. We talked on the phone, and you said you had a story that's connected to the Irishman. Well, I lo- well, first of all, Kathy and I love the Irishman. We've watched it four times. Did you finish keep- it, Gil? No, yeah, I, he started. I, we we got to watch this uh, second half. Well, do you have Netflix? Uh, no, we have. I I even have a copy of it. Oh, okay. At home, well, it's, so it's sure. worth watching. You know, yes. it's long. It's three and a half hours. Yeah. De Niro never sounds Irish for a second, <laughs> but right. but he's great. And Pacino, you know, it's like. Pacino won us over. First time, it's like, okay, he's doing a kind of comedy, Midwestern shit. Yeah. And he's so Italian, and he's playing an Irish-German Looks nothing guy. like Jimmy Hoffa. No, not really. Yeah. Except nothing. he's short. Yeah. But it does, they made and, Nicholson and look Pesci like him a little. Joe Pesci is absolutely amazing, yes. I think. You know, it's like, but, I, uh, you know, we, we love the film. We keep discovering new things about it and everything. But one of the particular reasons I was attra- I loved it so much is because there's a sequence that features um, the murder of, of, of uh, Joey Gallo. Yeah, where the character like is takes responsibility for, so so I'm just gonna cut back to like the late '60s. Um, the actor Jerry Orbach was in one of my dad's plays. They stayed close. Yeah. So in the early '70s, Jerry Orbach and his wife used to host these parties um, in New York in their apartment in a beautiful brownstone in the Murray Hill area, and they invited my parents and and us, my 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 two brothers and I, to the party to the first party in the early '70s. And David David Steinberg was there. It was like celebrities and friends. It was beautiful brownstone. So my brothers and I gravitated up to the third floor where there was this great pool table. And so we started like, we didn't know what we were doing, but we started playing with the pool table, shooting pool. And this guy was standing there, this little guy, not not very tall, kind of like nondescript. He looked like Hector Elizondo without without the toupee. And he had a big mole on his cheek. And, and he came up and he says, hey, my name is Joey. I'd like to show you guys how to play pool. And we thought, oh, okay, great. So he worked with us, like showing us how to, like you know, chalk the the cue and shoot, shoot. Crazy Joe. Well, it's like you know, he just seemed like such the sweetest guy, and he was just like fussing on us, and he he like learned our names, 
And he said, my name is Joey. And, you know, so it was just great. And then I went down to the kitchen. He was down in the kitchen with the women, like uh, Jerry Orbach's wife, Marta, my mother, I think Marta's uh, mother was there, other women. And he was like chopping onions. He was helping them set up food. He was just like the sweetest guy. And he was just like, you know, keeping to himself basically. But the next day, you know, we lived in Great Deck, so we drove home. So the next day I went up to my, um, after school, I went up to my dad's office. And the rule was, if you hear him typing, my dad was a writer, is a writer. You don't go in his office because that means he's working. But he wasn't typing. So I walked in and he says, Drew, what would you think of that guy last night, Joey? I said, he seemed like a nice guy. He goes, did you know he's a, he's a gangster? His name is Joey Gallo. He's killed people. I was like 12 then. I said, really? And I was impressed. I was like, I liked, <laughs> yes, him. Yes. I liked him even more. Yeah. I said, really? He says, yeah. He said, you know, I was just curious what you thought. I said, my father wasn't that thrilled with the idea that we were socializing with Joey Gallo because we got invited back to more parties. Oh. And Joey Gallo was always there. The same thing. He would just fuss on us, especially my younger brother, Kip, who was really little at the time. And, you know, so Joey, like, was really helping him out, especially. Finally, Joey Gallo invited my parents and us to dinner. So my dad, who was friends with Mario Puzo, they were old friends, they were talking on the phone. My dad mentioned that to Mario Puzo. He says, what do you think? He invited us to dinner. And Mario Puzo just said, that's not intelligent. So it didn't happen. And just a couple of months later, Joey Gallo was killed at, you know. At the clam bar. Yeah, Umberto's yeah. clam bar. Yeah. In it's York. in the movie, right? Yeah, that's yeah. in the movie. They, you know, they, well done. Yeah, they used to call him Crazy Joe. Crazy Joe. And the actor in the movie doesn't didn't really look like the Joey Gallo. I, I well, knew. Well, none nobody in that movie Not looks really. like. Yeah. <laughs> and true. and I heard with Robert De Niro, even when they try to make him look young, he's walking around hunched over. Yeah, there's some He's supposed scenes. to be 20. He's beating up a guy in front of a store, and you can see he's an older man. He's 75. <laughs> yeah, you see he's an older he man. When he's kicking the guy. Yeah, he's outside. kicking the yeah. guy, and he's yeah. kind of like holding his hands tight. And right. he, you can see he's an old, you know. Right. You know, I, I, you got to go with it. I know. He never looked. Never, I never bought the de I love the film, and I think it's just such a great comedy, too. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just so much funny stuff, especially the Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Provenzano stuff where mm -hmm. they're like screaming at each other like children and then they're rolling around on the floor trying to kill each other. You mentioned and Steinberg. I think Steinberg was the best man at Joey's wedding. Yeah, they I were I think tight. he told that they on this tight. podcast. And they probably yeah. met at Jerry Orbach's apartment. David Steinberg, the comic. And That's right. Yeah. You know David what? Steinberg, sorry to interrupt, oh, David Steinberg sure. also wrote um, a show about the Marx Brothers um, in the late 60s yeah. before he was famous. And I think he like, you know, presented the script to Groucho. This was before Minnie's Boys. <laughs> And Groucho didn't like the script, I don't think. Interesting. You know. And then, of course, Groucho, you know, when they were doing Minnie's Boys, they wanted to cast Toadie Fields as Minnie. And Groucho was dead set against that. They wound uh, up with Shelley Winters. They pr proposed Shelley Winters. Groucho was happy that, with that because he liked her big jugs. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Minnie's Boys. I saw it when I was uh, 11. And yeah. I loved it. But uh, what did I know? Uh -huh. But Groucho was in the audience because he was the consultant on the show. So we went, my mother, my mother and father took us to see the show. It was, it wasn't a hit. It was a flop, but it ran for a few months. But Groucho was sitting in the audience at every performance, you know, in the fourth row. So I like, you know, at intermission, I went through people's legs just to get up to him and present him my playbill, which he signed, which I still have. And that's the, my first encounter with Groucho. <laughs> One wow. of several. Yeah. And he was 80, 80 at the time. And he, well, he hadn't had any strokes yet. So he was still like on top of, <laughs> on top of things. <laughs> Somebody told us, and I can't remember which guest it was, told us a very funny story about, uh, it was Ron Friedman. Check the-, the No the, relation. The, no relation. Yeah. But check, there's a great story about Shelley Winters and, uh, and Minnie's Boys, which mm -hmm. I won't go into here, but it's- 
Louis, Check out that Louis episode. Louis J. Stadlin, who played Groucho. In he's that. still around. Yeah, he's yeah. the yeah. son of Alan Swift. Um, he hated Shelley Winters. He said she was just the, the oh. most unpleasant person to work with. And, you know, like, not surprising. No. I mean, she was like, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the review I remember of that show, it wasn't a very good show. None of the music was good. But the, I think one of the Times reporter, Clyde Barnes, or the reviewer said, you know, the show, just when it would start getting off the ground with, like, Marx Brothers routine routines like being revived shelly winters would enter and gummo up the works oh so. <laughs> did you hear our interview with bill marks yes yeah so he's a Gil- sweet guy. he got to see, he started singing spontaneously yeah. hello yeah. i must be sweet going guy. i, I talked to him a couple of times yeah nice and, guy very sweet guy i remember i'll never forget someone telling me they saw uh minnie's boys and they said at one point uh, something happened in the audience, and the guy playing Groucho started ad libbing, yeah. and and I'm thinking, I'll bet you if you go, you could probably time your watch to when he starts ad libbing in the play. I would imagine, but it might you you have to think that he felt under pressure because Groucho Marx himself would be sitting in the audience. Yeah, oh, it know, had to throughout, be practically throughout its entire run. And this Louis J. Stadlin, who was very good as Groucho, was up there with Groucho looking at him. Like, what must he have been going through? You know, um, he wrote an autobiography. I didn't read it, but I always wondered about that. I think Peter Rieger was in that show. He was in one of the productions. He was in one of the productions. Oh, playing he Chick- was playing Chico. Chico. Yeah. yeah. That's right. He and took the part over. Uncle Floyd auditioned for Chico for the original production. I think he was 70 at, 17 at the time. He didn't get it. But they had revivals of that over the years. Kay Ballard, Ballard was in one revival. Um, like uh, as many, it's like all these miscast actresses. Yeah. And it wasn't, it just wasn't, the, I mean, there's no memorable songs from it. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Yeah. So you're a Zeppo guy. Make a case for Zeppo. Oh, you know, it's like, well, first of all, you know, he was we're only, we're he was only in those too. great Paramount yeah, films. The, so, you know, it's just ones. like, if you go to see those revivals, people really cheer when Zeppo's name comes up at the beginning. You know, just because, I think mainly because those are the best films, those five films. Yeah. So you, it's like, it just feels good to see Zeppo. There's there. also a because dynamic. Because you know he's gone by the time they go to MGM and beyond. There's a dynamic with the four of them that they didn't recapture with the three of them. There's, no, a, there's, there's you're right. something well, nice no, about those it. Those films are the, the best, I think the best written. You know, Coconuts may be a little slow because it was kind of creaky. But know? it still mm-hmm. works. Yeah. Coconut's still funny. I agree. It's and like, you know, my, practically my favorite film is Monkey Business. That's not every Marx Brothers yeah. fan's favorite, but I think that's my favorite, just because maybe because Bobby Barber's in it. You know, yeah, he I had a frog in his. Throat. I'm a duck soup man. Yeah, most people are. Yeah, yeah. and well, duck soup was the last of parent. But Paramount you know, films. when the Marx Brothers after duck soup, well, I I always thought. Night at the Opera was the beginning of the end for them. Yeah. Because they were slowing down in there. They were, it was making sense why they were doing things. Yeah, and they were heroes. I mean, and they were like sticking up for the, for the, you know, for Kitty Carlisle or Maureen O'Sullivan and the other one. And also the musical interludes were really getting annoying. Well, they weren't anarchists anymore. Not really. What yeah. was like Sells, uh, David, uh, um, you know, the, the Th- producer? Thalberg. Thalberg, who yeah. Groucho loved. He adored. He said, like, you know, those are the best films. They, also, they also made money. They were profitable. Yeah, they, were, they were huge hits. <laughs> One and, of the reasons you know, Groucho MGM, liked them. And they were big MGM stars, and they were making more money. And Chico played uh, poker with, with Thalberg. You know, so they were really tight with them. So when, you know, you know all this, when, when Thalberg died, they were kind of like set adrift at, at MGM. Yeah. And Mayer hated them. He didn't get them. He didn't get the Marx Brothers. You know, it wasn't his kind of humor. 
you know. So it was kind of over. And and I, but, you know, Chico needed the money. I, I heard I no, it's Chico needed the money. And and I heard that at one point Nat Hyken said he wanted to write a Marx Brothers movie, which yeah. I think would have been great. It would have been great. And also Billy Wilder wanted to make a Marx. Oh. The Marx Brothers at the UN. Later on, yeah. you know, it, it probably wouldn't have turned out very well because yeah. it was like they were old at that point. Yeah. It was after the story of mankind. So, you know, just oh, imagine. Oh, oh, or the great jewel, jewel, jewel. Oh, oh those were hard to watch. Those were scary. So yeah. since you've alluded to it and you've told the stories before, but tell us again quickly about the other two meetings with Groucho because they're worth hearing. Oh, well. And he was know, a fan of your dad's, right? I mean, your well, dad was a. We, you know, my first encounter, I was 11 uh, at Minnie's Boys. And that was, I didn't meet him. I just went up to him and people were just getting autographs. So. My dad was invited to a party at this Jimmy Supper Club, which was a popular supper club. In, we'll in remind our listeners who don't know that your dad is Bruce, is Bruce J. Friedman, right. the, the celebrated humorist. Right. So he was in the, the teach, uh, there was a, a party for Teacher Scotch. Teacher Scotch threw the party because they were hiring old comedians oh, I, to do ads. Yes, I remember that. So they that got Jessel yeah. and they got George Burns and then Groucho all of a sudden did an ad for Teacher Scotch. And so the Jimmy's Supper Club hosted a party for Groucho, and my dad somehow got invited. This is late 1972. Um, so my dad mentioned it to me and brought me, you know. And um, so Groucho was there with Aaron Fleming, and, um, and we approached him, and Groucho had just seen The Heartbreak Kid, which was based on my dad's short story. And he knew it. I mean, he knew my dad was connected. He said, I just saw your film, The Heartbreak Kid, and, you know, it was really wonderful. You know, so he was just, you know, he was pleasant. He had already had yeah. some strokes. He was slowed down. But that was basically it. Erin Fleming was with him. And, but Erin Fleming liked my dad. In fact, I think she had a little crush on him. So because um, a couple of years later, she invited uh, my dad and my, 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 myself and my two brothers to Groucho's house. This is 1975. So Groucho would have, would have been 75. Um, to his house for the whole day in, in uh, Hollywood. His, like that modern house he had up in the Hollywood Hills. So I would have been 16. So we spent the whole day at Groucho's house, you know, like, and it was interesting because like there were famous people coming in and out, like Elliot Gould and Sally Kellerman, Dennis Wilson came in and, you know, it's like people were kind of like saying hi to Groucho and then disappearing in the back. And my theory is that there was cocaine being offered back in the back. So that's what was luring all these young Hollywood types. Bud Court. Yeah, all those, yeah, like, those types you've read about around. that used to like, you know, hang out at Groucho's house or always there, regulars. And, but Dennis Wilson was there and he, and he, he comes in. I, I was just like, basically, I was just like staring at Groucho when I was there throughout the whole day, just staring at him and thinking in my head, I'm probably the luckiest kid in the entire world right now at this moment. You know, just like looking at Groucho and, you know, he was singing his songs and everything. Aaron Fleming was doing the, Mar the uh, Margaret, uh, you know. Dumont. Part. Yeah. And so Dennis Wilson walks in. It's like, oh, cool. And he goes up to Groucho. He says, hey, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. And Groucho looks at me. He has no idea who yeah. he is. He looks up. And he goes, well, it ought to be. And then a guy comes in and goes, he says, he comes up to Groucho. He goes, my name is, is Mark. And Groucho looks at him and goes, what's your first name, Trade? <laughs> <laughs> like, but, um, How old would he have been at this point? Groucho was 85. 85. You keep track of the 20th century mm -hmm. because Groucho was born in 1890. Mm -hmm. So in, in 1930, Groucho was 40 and so on. So in 1970, Groucho was 80. 1975, he was 85. He died two years later. But, you know, he was really slowed down, but he liked kids. He liked, he liked young kids. That's so what he, I heard. He fussed on my brothers and I. You know, he was like just, we, and I sat there and I watched him eat 
his lunch, and he was dribbling uh, chicken, yeah. chicken, like cream chicken down his chin, <laughs> and his I, nurse had to like wipe it off. And the, then we put him to bed. We actually put him oh. to bed because he had to go to bed early. But before he went to bed, he wanted to watch the latest episode of You Bet Your Life, which had just come back in syndication. So they were airing it around 7.30 every night in Los Angeles. So he wanted to watch that. So we like took him into his bedroom and he got in his pajamas and we, and we hugged him goodnight. And then, the Alice Cooper role because he used to put him to bed. Right, right. Yeah. So he had to go to bed early. You know, he was a sick old man, but he wanted to watch. He had to watch You Bet Your Life first, which was like a nice memory. I The first time Sweet I stories. met Ron Delsner, we hadn't had him on the podcast yet. Uh, he we hadn't we barely got introduced to each other. And he said to me about. You know, he helped produce uh, Groucho at Carnegie Hall. And he said, <laughs> Delsner says to me, he goes, you know, uh, this Aaron Fleming used to blow Groucho. <laughs> And and he goes and, end of the sweet story. Yes. Wow. And, and wow. what what's his name? Oh fuck the composer. Marvin Hamlish. Marvin Ham and he goes and and Marvin Hamlish had a shot at her too. Oh my god. Well she was what a, I gotta draw that. Go. She was in. She was in, in the uh, cover of. A... She was in t um, the Woody Allen film. Uh... She's in a, every. I think everything you always yeah, want to yeah, know about nude, sex. She's nude in that, I think, right. or topless or something. Right. And you know, she was a strange woman. She, she was. You know, she like I said, she liked my dad. So I think she was flirting with him, yeah. and she wanted. You know, she wanted us. The, the 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 conclusion of the Groucho story, visiting Groucho, is like we went home. We were we were staying in Malibu. My my dad was working in Malibu that summer. We were staying at his house. My brothers and I. And then the next day, Aaron Fleming called my dad and said, you know, Groucho really loved having you. He'd like to invite you back to the house next week because Mae West is coming to the house. They haven't seen each other for 35 years since they both worked at Paramount. So my dad like got off the phone. He said, hey, uh, guys, um, Aaron would like us to come back next week to, uh, you know, see Groucho and Mae West. And we like kind of looked at each other and said, eh, we had enough Groucho. So <laughs> that's oh, my favorite. Boy. That's like oh. one of my, that's probably my main regret in life. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't witness that. Wow. Or meet Mae West. Yeah, that yeah. would have been interesting. But, you know, there's some photos, you know, of that meeting. But, uh, you know, we could have been there. So I do regret that. And, and I heard with Alice Cooper that he said somewhere that, or he was, he was saying it that, uh, at one of his concerts, Groucho came there with Mae West, and they watched oh, yeah. the show together. Remember, yeah. Shep Gordon told us that Alice used to crawl into bed with Groucho and watch TV. Yeah, yeah. They well, put they on, did. They did a whole book put on his called, PJs. You know, the revival of the book Beds, you know, which mm -hmm. Groucho wrote in the early '30s. Mm -hmm. But all these celebrities like Burt Reynolds and Carol O'Connor and Sally Struthers and Alice Cooper just posing in bed with Groucho for these photo sessions. I think a lot of them were in People magazine. But I do have another question for Groucho. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Groucho, why did you pressure the new president of the Ukraine to announce an investigation into the Bidens? Because Chico needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. I don't think you need to be impeached. <laughs> did you stay up all night coming up with these? <laughs> all night? <laughs> Actually, the middle of the night. So you were telling us when Rondo Hatton first noticed, or you were telling me when we had our dicks out, when Rondo Hatton 
first. You have a massive dick. Did, does, is that a it's enormous. Discussed? I mean, yeah, you know, he doesn't talk, get enough credit. We talk about Milton Berle and Hunts Hall, <laughs> yeah. Guy Marks, and Eddie Fisher and Guy Marks. Yeah, Gilbert and, Fa- yes. and Forrest Tucker. Gilbert's especially. right up there. It's like Gilbert a demigod. Like, you know, he's very modest. Because, but I got to look. <laughs> yes, my dick is stretched out into the other room right now. <laughs> it's in a different. It's zip- like a frozen banana. It's another zip code. <laughs> It's incredible. <laughs> That's why we need. You shouldn't two, be so modest. We it. need I'm, two studios. <laughs> I can see that they keep moving us into bigger studios here to accommodate. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very impressive. But we, you know, I brought up uh, Rondo. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would normally yes. bring him up anyway, but there's this new book out about Rondo, the first biography of him that I did the cover for, and I wrote yeah. the afterword to the book, and it's a terrific book, and it's got amazing details and photographs in it. And, um, you know, the, the, to me, one of the interesting things is that Rondo was a respected uh, journalist in Florida early in his I life. I didn't know this. He was, he was a, a newspaper man. And, you know, I was talking to Gilbert about how Rondo got into the movies. But there was a director named, I think, Henry King, who came to Florida to, to make a film. And Rondo was already suffering from the acromegaly. Acromegaly, his, yeah. Like, head was getting more distorted. He, and he looked, you know, very he had an interesting face, of course. And it hadn't got, it hadn't, you know, he was gassed in World War One, so you know that it was just catching up with him. But this director just like took, you know, took an interest in because the, the he was Rondo was interviewing the director, and and the director said Henry King said, you know, I'd like you to have a little part in this film as a bouncer, you know, because you have an amazing face. And so he took the part, and he said, look, if you ever want to come to Hollywood, you know, I'll I'll use you, and I'll get you more work. And that's when Rondo Hatton finally went to Hollywood. And, Rondo, of course, is the actor, the horror movie actor, who didn't wear makeup. And became the creeper. Became the creeper later right. on. Died fairly young. But Universal, he was like the top. Thanks mo- to you and Josh, your brother Josh, I learned what our, uh, acromegaly was. Thank you. In the heartbreak <laughs> of acromegaly. Oh, see, <laughs> see, strip. see, I grew up on those monster movies. You knew? So, yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid. I knew because, well, I was like the main, well, not just Rondo Hatton, but also uh, the, oh, Tarantula with Leo J. Ca- Leo G. Carroll. Right. About, uh, that had to do with acromegaly. That's right. He's, Very good. Then became... they called it acromegalia. In acromegalia. Well, I think you and I were children and that was like the one disease we knew about because Rondo Hatton had it. Yes. You know? yeah, so it was we... like famous monsters of Filmland would actually, like Rondo Hatton. He, he claims the British actor from the Jeffersons. Yes. Acromegaly. Paul Benedict. I, Paul Benedict. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I had heard yes. Paul Benedict was d- doing a play. Interesting. And he got a note. They said, oh, there's a doctor in the audience who wants to meet you. And he thought, oh, he wants an autograph or whatever. And he went there and he said, uh, I, I th- I'd I, like to examine you because I think you may have acromegaly. And I think he I did. I believe he did. Yeah. The heartbreak yeah. of acromegaly. I believe he the did. The heartbreak, <laughs> yeah. Well, you rub a cream on it and it goes away. <laughs> Name one other podcast in the world that's talking about acromegaly right now. Have you heard of this, Daniel? Do you have any idea? Do you know who Rondo Hatton is? No. Oh, you've got stuff to Google tonight, my friend. See, so you're not as big a monster fan as we are, because when you're a monster kid, that's the first oh, thing you I, learn. I always love that story you told when you went, to, when you were going to school, and the teacher said, uh, yes. oh, that's a great one. Name yes. a famous person with the initials. Take it from yes, there. Yes, yes. The teacher was... Uh, doing a game i think i was in the first grade or maybe even kindergarten and the teacher was doing a game like i'm gonna give you initials and you'll name a fame and she goes like you know mm mickey mouse uh bh bob hope and then she says os and i'm a little kid 
and I I scream out excitedly, Angelo Stevens! Because <laughs> <laughs> he played the mad scientist in House of Dragons. Did she accept Onslow Stevens as an answer? Was she a fan of that film? Yeah, that was I, a she satisfactory was answer. She was probably a Glenn Strange fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's like pretty obscure because he didn't, you know, he like he might have been the only horror film he was ever in. Maybe one I other. I think so. But he was really good in that. He know? was good. He the became, movie's He a was mess. like a sweet guy. He became slowly insane. Yeah, the movies, I mean, I loved it when we loved it when we were kids, but yeah. House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, you know, it's like they're asking a lot. Yeah. Teaming all those monsters up in one film. And and it's like they always seem those those two movies like okay, first you had a, a little mini Dracula film, he gets killed, then there's uh You're right. a mini Wolfman. We'll move on film. to that and then and it ends with Frankenstein being a total idiot. It's true. And blowing up. At least the lab. Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein was a comedy, and they didn't like. You know, it was like they were all. They involved all three of the monsters yes. throughout the film. I thought Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein was an improvement. Yes, it was on the house. It was of. well written and well acted, and plus, you know, they played it not for laughs. The monsters get on these. Not damn. really, although Glenn Strange does that like Herman Munster laugh at one point. Oh, <laughs> or it's like that yell. I mean, I think Fred. Gwen might have gotten it from that. Too, oh yeah, he goes. He's, like, oh. he's startled by Lucas. Yeah, yeah. And then of course you have Vincent Price at the end as the ah uh, yes, as you know the Invisible Man. A little bonus. So that's it's like I I think of what my favorite film might be, and that might be it. Yeah, you know, over the years. Gil, this is a good opportunity to thank uh, Mike Herman, listener Mike Herman, for that great gift that you got. Last week. Oh, uh, yes. Speaking of Cheney yes. Jr. Did you get a one, I, sh- a one sheet? He from got, he got, I a, got, he got a, a movie poster. Oh, wow. A big poster. Of uh, Lon Cheney Jr. Indestructible Man. Wow. Yeah. And you know who else is in Indestructible yeah, Man? Yeah. The, uh, guy, the man with two names. The man with two names? <laughs> uh, yeah. The guy who plays yeah. the reporter, the narrator. He had two names. Oh, what was? Oh, oh, what? the the, the detective. Yeah, uh, is it Robert Bernie Chan- Casey? K- K- uh, Casey 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 Adams. Adams. Casey Adams. Yeah. Also and went by Max Showalter. That's right. Yeah, is, isn't he, Inspector Henderson in the in the uh, indestructible yes. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. man? Robert Chain. Yes, he yeah. is. And uh, uh, Flynn is in it from McHale's Joe Navy. Flynn. That's Joe right. Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Is uh is the assistant mad scientist? Is Richard Deacon in that? I forget. Uh, he no, he okay. should have been. Because it's so thrilling to see those guys like pop up in some of those oh, films. Oh, great! Like, like, and and you know what's funny when you see? Well, by then he was Bernie. He was uh, Casey Adams already, yeah. I think. Yeah. He was originally Max Did Showalter. Did he become more successful when he switched over to Casey Adams? Did that he, get him more parts? Well, I think they thought like uh, Max Showalter, aside from being harder to spell, sounded too German. Yeah, which it makes sense. And, makes sense. But when he, you know, you would never know from that film that he he was he was so good at comedy. Yeah. Because he started playing these goofy parts. He was. He was parts. very versatile. Like William Wyndham. He, he reminded me of him a little William bit. William Wyndham. What we love. Yeah. Scott but, Alexander just sent out that thing today. The uh, every guest star in the history of the show, that's Cannon. Right. Cannon. Yeah. <laughs> like as on, if, if, if just it's people i got to send it to Kilbert. I haven't read that it's yet. It's a goldmine. You know, but, you know, we William watched, Wyndham turns Kathy up. and I watched the complete Columbo, you know, box set. Yeah. And They're it's great, like, aren't they? amazing to see the guest stars oh, who yeah. pop up on that. Yeah. These, these 70s actors. Has been actors and people who are like, you know, People we've had here. Dick Van Dyke, Lee Grant, 
Yeah, of Dick yeah. Van Dyke was the Have photographer. Robert Culp, he's gone, right? Robert Culp oh, was yeah. gone before we started. John Cassavetes is there, and he's like, yeah. some people are he's doing the it. Good, that's a good one. Conductor. That's right, and he's doing it because he's good friends with Peter Falk, yeah. obviously. Jack Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, a couple it's, of times. Oh, twice I think Cassidy was on, and yep, with Cassidy yep. he plays a magician on that's that, right. and he killed someone, <laughs> and at the end. Uh, Cassidy's when he's found out, Columbo exposes him, and he's found out, and he's going to jail. He goes, "I thought I had commit the perfect murder," and Peter Falk says, "There's no such a thing, sir. It's uh, just an illusion." <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. I want to ask you about another one of your obsessions because it's it's well timed. It's Shoot. the fiftieth anniversary of the Odd Couple TV series. Mm, okay. It's also Walter Matthau's hundredth birth year and Tony Randall's. That's all very exciting. I was just talking to a friend about Tony Randall the other day. Did you yeah. know he was a nude model? No. Yes, Leonard, he was. Lenny Rosenberg. He was. He was a <laughs> nude model for for art classes back in the in the forties. And there's a photo of him online, and if you don't believe me, just go online Good and stuff. Google it. Tony Randall nude. He had a huge schlong. Oh my God! <laughs> and who would have thought it? This. Yes, go online right now. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is... yes, it's all very We're exciting. Put the show on hold. <laughs> the Odd Couple 50th anniversary. Now, yeah. I'm more of a fan of the Odd Couple, the revivals. I know, but you're you're obsessed, and it's on your blog. You keep, now, you post these various. Well, some of the cast now members. you must have something to say about that scary odd couple TV movie after Jack Lugman had his vocal cords taken oh, out. Well, I, I, you know, at the time, I thought it was not a good decision. <laughs> but I think the black odd couple was even more disturbing. <laughs> you know, oh, Ron Glass. Damone Wilson and, and Ron Glass. Uh, Dem- Demond Wilson, Did that yeah. last more than a, uh, I don't a, know, a couple yeah. of and, weeks? And they just were repeating the scripts from the white yeah, odd couple. Yeah. It's like... But like I said, I like I, I'm fascinated by these revivals of the Odd Couple from over the years, and these other productions like oh, and, the Women Odd Couple. Well, they, they, they did that a few one. of those versions, but they also did. There was a version with Don Rickles and uh, and Ernest Borgnine. Yep, I Ooh. wrote it down in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was directed by Danny Simon. Can Neil you Simon's imagine? Brother, and Don Rickles played Felix, and Ernie Borgnine played uh, Oscar. But there's a lot of weird productions like that over the years. Jan then, Murray did it. Uh, Jackie Coogan. Yeah. Eddie Bracken did one with Klugman. Yep. And some of them, you know, the original cast was uh, Art Carney and Walter Matthau. And Matthau was not nice to Art Carney. Art Carney was a drinker. And Walter Matthau oh. didn't like that. He, wasn't, he didn't feel he was professional enough. So he would badger him. And Art Carney actually had a stroke you know, while they were doing it on Broadway in 66. And then I think... Uh, Matthau lobbied not to have Art Carney in the film version, and he wanted Jack Lemmon, you know, in the film version. Uh, yeah, I, the story I heard is that because at the time Jack Lemmon was a bigger was the big star, movie star, yeah. And the studio said, "We want you. We're making the Art Couple into a movie." And he said, and they said, "Now we just need to find an actor to play Felix," because mm-hmm. they thought. Oscar was the media role, and that Lemon should play him. And Lemon said, no, uh, Matthau should do it. Yeah, weird, because, you know, Matthau played Oscar on Broadway. Matthau won the Oscar for the fortune cookie, mm-hmm. so he was really becoming yeah. a big movie star, so he had clout. Um, but he lobbied not to have 
um, Art Carney in the movie version. Yeah. There was another version, which never happened, but imagine this. And it was announced in the newspapers. Marlon Brando and Wally Cox. <laughs> And they had a, a scene where they fuck each Emphasis other. On couples. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that really? would have been fascinating. That I didn't you know, know about. It was like when they was, when Brando, there was an interview with Brando in, in like 1968, and he was speculating about doing this production uh, in, in uh, Los Angeles. So that would have been that would have been. I wish to God it had been yes. made. Carney that, came back and did it with Don Knotts, which is on your blog. Yeah, they switched roles. Like uh, Don Knotts... Uh, played Felix and Art yeah. Carney came back and played Oscar. In, yeah. in a, I guess he in, could. You know, in a, a, a dinner theater production in the mid seventies. So I have all these playbills and, and articles and they're on know, Drew's on, blog. And his blog, the yeah. Otter Couples. And yeah. you know what was added more horror to the horror of the uh, the uh, vocal cordless Jack Lugman doing that version of the uh, is oh. that they had a whole bunch of different <laughs> card players. And it's like, you go, no, no, we want to see the card players who we know. From the series. Yeah. yeah. Well, most yeah. of them were probably deceased, but there was a Broadway production, a one-night production done for charity with Oscar, with, um, you know, Jack Klugman and Tony Randall playing the original play. Yeah, they did it to original raise money for, for Randall's right. theater so fund. So the, the, the co-stars, the card players, that was the interesting part that night because they had Cleavon Little. Um, oh. I think Vincent Cardinia. Abe Vigoda was one of the card players. Wow. A couple other, you know, just like, whoa, you know, what a cast, you know? Here's three people that did this podcast that were in stage productions of The Odd Couple. Bernie Coppell, wow. Barbara Feldon did wow. did a female version, and Orson Bean. <laughs> they would do these versions like like they'd get um, uh, Bob Denver. Yeah. But he was such a big star, you know, even by the 70s, people know him from TV, that the co-star didn't matter. So it was Bob Denver's name, and I was like, well, who's playing the other guy? It didn't matter. I think Nipsey Russell and Phil Foster is my yeah, favorite. there were several black Ooh, versions. Yeah. Yeah. Several... That would have been amazing. Yeah. Yep. Now, so I... you mentioned Jack Klugman, and we have to go here. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a rumor. <laughs> I heard a rumor, uh, too. Jack and it's Klugman. horrible. It's a horrible. Can we talk? <laughs> this is, oh, no. This is oh, a horrible. This is one. That he would I, like... You know something? You know, we if dis- I find something horrible and uncomfortable... Oh, you don't want to go there? You do, just say it. I can cut it out. We can yeah. segue. You know, we can... <laughs> oh. Oh, this has start, to do with the baby outfit. If you want, no, not even that. It's even more horrible. If you want to seg, if you want to start with Danny Thomas, we can segue into it. And I it. think applesauce is involved. No, scrambled eggs. Ah, yes, scrambled you know eggs. All right, we'll skip scrambled it. We'll, eggs. we'll hold off on that. Now, here's, here's one thing about the Odd Couple that Randall verified this. Randall had done it with Mickey Rooney somewhere along That's the right. line and wanted Mickey Rooney for the series. Interesting. And Gary Marshall knew of Mickey Rooney's reputation and wanted no. Part uh, of Mickey Rooney. Yes, they did a production in Las Vegas. Yes, and uh, that's where Klugman you know, came with, in. Uh, with uh, Mickey Rooney as Oscar, and, you know, before uh, Tony Randall was in the show. And they also said that when, when, uh, uh, when Art Carney had the stroke, Matthau said, Why did you want to be in the Art Couple? <laughs> and he said, <laughs> Because she needed someone. And I don't understand really? the connection between <laughs> a, Art Carney and Joe A post-stroke Art, Art Carney sounded yes, like, yes. Sounded like Groucho. Small world. It is amazing. It's a small world. And he was getting a blowjob <laughs> yes, from <indeed>. Aaron Fleming. <laughs> Here's two other great pairings. Gig Young and Robert Q. Lewis did it, Gilbert. Yeah. Oh, God. And Dan Daly and Richard Benjamin. Oh. That's right. And who also like did this podcast. 40 years apart. That yeah. was a weird one. Yeah, really you know, weird. It was like father and son, but really no. Weird. A 
It's like so some of them are. Yeah. Was Gig Young Oscar? He must have been. Yeah, Gig Young did been. it a, a bunch of times. He did one with Robert Q. Lewis. They yeah. were uh, teamed up for a while. Yeah. Just the oddest. That's why my my blog is called The Otter Couple. So some I, of them are unbelievable. I wish to God this was before everybody carried a camera with them. And uh, I was once booked in this place that was a theater. And all around the the, uh, the walls in the back room there were these posters of all these different plays with TV actors uh, yeah. in it. Well, that was seemed to like, you know, like Frank Sutton, like uh, uh, all in the 70s, all they had left was doing dinner theater mainly. Yes. You know, yeah. That was what they were. You That's know, how they Bob Crane, when, when Bob Crane bought the farm, he was doing basically. The, but he yeah, was doing they got theater. a list of them. They were just basically that's what they did. Dinner theater. When uh, I think Sally Struthers and Rita uh, Marino. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. yes uh, they they were the female. Joanne Worley did one version. There was one with Sandy Dennis and Stella Stevens. Odd, odd couple. Jeez, you know. fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I also noticed Re- uh, "Last of the Red Hot Lovers" is is another one of your obsessions yeah, on yeah, your that blog. Was another, like these Neil Simon plays, even if they weren't very good plays, but they would get revived over and over. Like another, "Last of the Head- Red Hot Lovers" was one with like just Marvin bizarre- Kaplan. Yeah. Showed up. Sid Caesar, George oh, Gold, yes. Frank Sutton, who That's you just right. mentioned. Lou Jacoby. Like, oh, and I think uh, James Coco. Yep. Was in very good. He's got original, that up there. Original yeah. production. And Alan Arkin was in the movie. Not very good, but they shaved his head because, you know, the act, the character was supposed to be bald. But he, wasn't he already bald, Alan Arkin? No, he was like thinning maybe a yeah. little, but they like, gave him like, you know, uh, uh, like, an out, like an they out. turned him into Sidney Fields, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boys, boys! <laughs> now that you brought up uh, Sydney oh, Fields, before go ahead, go. I forget, because uh, you know uh, we can't go too long without talking about Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> Someone came up to me at a club recently, and they said they bought. Lon Chaney Jr.'s book for me, but they didn't know they'd be seeing me. So if uh, you're out there with Lon Chaney Jr.'s book, please uh, try to mail I hope it to you me. Get it. I hope you're not gonna. You wouldn't order it from Amazon, right? So you no, want a free copy. no, no. That okay. would because if I had be, a copy, I'd, I'd give it. To, I don't have that one. That would be five dollars. <laughs> he was writing a book before he died. Oh, a uh, hundred years, years of, of Chaney's. Chaney's. Yeah. yeah, that didn't come out. And then he has a son or a grandson who dresses up like the Wolfman. Oh, we we had uh, That's right. yeah, Ron, yeah. Ron, Ron, Ron Chaney. Chaney. Nice guy. That's the nice. Chinese Lon Chaney. Ron Chaney. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Chaney. <laughs> Speaking of Sidney Fields, what do you yeah. know about Bud Abbott's porn collection? Well, you know, you you, you guys know that you know How's there that was an FBI <laughs> file on who had the largest. For some reason, Ed J. Edgar Hoover was obsessed with porn collections. So yes. the largest porn collections supposedly were owned by this is the 1940s. Lou Costello. Uh, Bud Abbott and Red Skelton. Now Skelton, we heard. Yeah, yeah. But both Abbott and Costello both had large. See this, and this shows like how Red <laughs> Skelton would go out of his way to like be the wholesome, yes. God fearing. Yes, yes. Yeah, there was God nothing. May, good night and may God bless. You. Yeah, always bringing up yes. God. He had the large. Think about that. He had the largest porn collection yes. in Hollywood. You know, whatever that says about the man. <laughs> 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 you know. I'm not a, you know, 
I've, I've not made it a secret that I'm not necessarily a fan of all the Jewish comedians I've drawn from my books. Yes. Red Buttons like drives me up the wall. I don't get it. <laughs> Aaron Schwatt. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Schwatt. Yeah. It's like I'm not a big fan. Eddie Cantor is never, has never won me over. He just makes, uh, my, yes, he makes yes. my skin crawl. <laughs> and I, now, oh, here's another horrible story that Drew told me. See, I love horrible rumors. That's but all we talk about. The ones yeah. Drew tells me are so fucking disturbing. Oh, well, we know where like we're going. Like the Clark Gable, uh, yeah. Andy Divine one. Well, no, <laughs> that one didn't bother me. It's not so disturbing. Okay. I I like the Clark Gable. Okay. Yeah, Andy there's nothing Divine. disturbing about Fuck it. It's kind of warm-hearted. Yes. <laughs> original, the original, wholesome. The original was, broke back mountain. There was an affection between these two, and and but broke according to mountain. Drew. And I'm not going to believe this. I, you, I'll believe any other story. I can verify. Not, so what is it? Uh, he, if you want, if he, you need proof. Drew was saying to me, and fuck you, Drew. I hope you die on the way home for saying this to me. <laughs> Drew I just have dinner was first. saying, just fucking have a stroke while you're crossing the street, then get hit, and then be crippled well, and live a long I'm, time. I'm curious. What is this story? I need okay. to hear it. Go ahead. You know, with sores on your body, yeah, like in the Bible. Does it involve scrambled eggs? No, you said that that Eddie Cantor was fucking shemp. <laughs> you know, I hear these things. People tell them to me, so of course I have to repeat them. Uh, you know, Shemp was a kind. He was a good-looking guy back in the twenties. He was kind of, you know, he was lean. Regular Tyrone Power. And he Power. had really great hair. He had long yeah. hair. It's <laughs> like he looked like uh, Emo Phillip. He had Emo Phillip. He had like Beetle haircut. He was like kind of, he wasn't married yet to Gertrude. I don't know if this is true, but I heard it, and I think I heard it from a fairly re- reliable source. I don't remember that source. I'd like to think And who would the true. source be that was? Oh, God. Who, you know, I'll have to think about who told me that. Oh, my God. It was a reliable source. Somebody who knew, knew his stuff. Okay. Like, uh, you know. Like a like so Gordetsky or something? Yeah, someone yeah. someone who just knew, you know, who, who I, I didn't doubt. And that's why I passed it on to Gilbert. I said, look, chew, yeah, that's chew, a horrible, chew, on, chew on this. That's know. a horrible Think about horror. this. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have another question for Groucho. Okay. Groucho, why did you hang Jeffrey Epstein in his prison, prison cell? Uh, because Chico... Needs the money. <laughs> now, now, I heard when Eddie Cantor and oh, Shemp no. would fuck, that Eddie <laughs> well, Cantor course. would go, oh, oh, I'm yes, coming. Was. And then Shemp, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Of course. <laughs> you have that on good authority. That, that, I, know. that I know for a fact. Yeah. If it and but, I, know, I heard, again, it's a, something I have to draw just to make it, you know, put it out there. I heard when Curly <laughs> would come, he'd go, woo, 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 woo. Where did the Shemp obsession begin? Why Shemp? Yeah, it's like, I don't, you know, people, uh, somebody even said the other day, like, you know, Shemp is my favorite too. I said, look, Shemp is not my favorite. I love them all. Uh-huh. I love Joe Dorita. You, you, don't, you do love Joe Dorita. I love Joe I don't I believe Joe Dorita. I believe you're lying. I stare at Joe Dorita, you know, and there's little moves he makes. I was at his wake. Yes, right. We've you told Frank on the was, show. Frank was at yeah. Joe Dorita's wake. I'm not yeah. proud of that. And uh, our friend Mark Newgarden was there, and Mark asked Frank to get in the casket with Joe at one point. So why don't you get in the casket with him? I don't know why you didn't. I would have. No, he wanted to take a now, picture. Now, you also of... told me that the only other people at the wake were like gardeners, like who it's worked true. at- true. 
Yeah. It was sad. sad. It was and poorly attended. Mo's, Mo's son was there, Paul. Jeffrey uh, Scott or the nephew or yeah. something. Yeah, some and then some gar- like Spanish, like Mexican sad. gardeners and Frank was there. Joe Dorita was the only cigar smoking <laughs> stooge? stooge. Also the only non-Jewish stooge. Yes, yes. That's true. Right. That's right. Paul that's, who's that's, Polish. Um, but I like, I, I stare at Joe Dorita. You know, there's, <laughs> he has his admirers. And if you actually watch... The Columbia shorts he made yeah. back in the 40s. And this will explain why Mo wanted him to like fill in after yeah. Curly died before Shep. He was really good. He was light on his feet. That's what I heard. But there was no evidence you of that You can watch them on the any of the only three four, stooges. Four shorts directed by Jules White with Christine McIntyre. They seem like Columbia shorts with a theme song. Mary Lee, We Roll Along was the theme song they gave to Joe Dorita. I don't know who the, who makes those decisions. You know, you could say Three Blind Mice made sense for the Three Stooges because they're three comedians. Mary Lee, We Roll Along was Joe Dorita's theme song. But he made these shorts in the late, in the late 40s. Emil Sitka pops up, Bud Jamison, Vernon Dent, Christine Macker. They're like Three Stooges shorts, but just Joe Dorita. And he's good. He's like kind of, he looks like Shemp because he has long hair. Yeah. Parted in the middle, long black hair getting in his face. And they're basically the same gags they were doing the Three Stooges films. You know? Now, I heard that after all the lawsuits, after Mo died, uh, that that curly Joe Dorita wound up with all the well, money. Well, his sons, as far as I know, his sons control the, the, the rights to the Three Stooges now. You know, So if you need to license anything to do with the Three Stooges, you have to go through his sons. That's what I've heard. Who was it that put it in his paperwork and his contract that he couldn't be? Uh, was it Dorita? No, it was Besser. Besser. We didn't want to be slapped. He didn't around. want to be hit. It was beneath him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was Joe He finally left the Three Stooges. It was after their Columbia contract ran out, and his excuse was, "Well, my wife is sick. His wife uh, yeah. was, so I have to get back." His wife lived on another thirty years. I think he just wanted to stop being a stooge. I, I think so. That yeah. was like the very convenient out. excuse. But after they left Columbia, they, they had nothing going on. They were playing state fairs until you know you know the story because you know they his were, brother they his son-in-law show, they started showing the shorts on TV and they became hugely popular and that's what led to the movies you know and the cartoon show and all that and the they're, revival. Their full-length movies are scary. They're hard to they're hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. They're not very good. And Norman Moore, their son most son-in-law was directing them at that point. They're they're a little hard to watch. A little mo- I can't even give them like moments. Like you know, like Jerry Lewis films, you can say what you will about Jerry and his films, but there're always moments. Yeah, there's always a moment of genius. Yeah, like yeah, there is. Yeah. Even if you watch Cinderella, it's hard going, but there's always a moment there like okay, that 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 you know doesn't make it worth watching the entire film, but there's a, not with the Three Stooges films from the 1960s. They're really tough going. Yeah, those and are. You're watching Old Men and Larry. You know, I'm fascinated by Larry. Yes, and like, but you know, but the, basically, like at the end, they were just like like fighting amongst themselves. They couldn't even hire like villains and stuff. So they're in the kitchen fighting with appliances. And and if they did anything physical, if they slapped each other, it's like old men You're hitting about each them. other. You're worried about them. You're worried, like, oh my yeah. God. Like, you know, and then you watch Mo on Mike Douglas, and he's really oh, old. Oh yeah. my God, yeah. yes, still, I saw that. see those on YouTube. But he hadn't gotten the memo that, look, yeah. look, you're a seriously old man now, and... And he was like doing, you know, with Ted Knight, and he's like, they're smacking each other, and he's rolling on the floor, and he died shortly after. They but. they were doing a thing, they, they he, Mike Douglas, and some other famous actor. I think Soupy Sales was on one of them. Yeah, uh, somebody, it, well, I don't know if I it, it was, was Soupy, Knight. but it was another yeah, famous actor. And 
they they uh, did the Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah. And Moe was doing a thing where after he would do like the freak out when he hears Niagara Falls, he would do this thing where he's shaking around. Yeah. Like you know, like it's he's going back to normal and he's shaking around and wobbling. And you'd see the looks on the other two guys' faces going, uh-oh, is he having a stroke now? Because it looks like, <laughs> oh, to, he's in scary. trouble. And you can watch those on YouTube. You're really concerned because Mo's legs are kind of wobbly. Yes. It's like, I thought, you know, I was as excited to see Mo Howard on Mike Douglas as much as I was to see John Lennon. Yes, on Mike. It was yes. like, how did Mike Douglas get those shows? And do you remember there was a, a panel in the 70s at one point with on the Mike Douglas show. So it was... Uh, Yoko Ono, um, Darla Hood, Spanky McFarlane, George Carlin, and Robert Klein. Wow. Robert Klein was the co-host that week. Yeah. Wow. So when I, Robert Klein, I did a talk with him at the Strand recently for my new book, yeah. All the Presidents. Yes. And he did a beautiful job. Which we should talk but about. But he talked about, um, um, you know, he was sitting next to Mike the whole week, and he said when Yoko was sitting there on the panel, uh, Mike Douglas leans into Robert Klein and says, nice tits on her, huh? It's like, you know, so the image of <laughs> it stuck with me. But what a panel! I remember <laughs> when I was a kid watching the Joey Bishop talk show. Yeah, and with Regis Philbin. Yes, yes, uh, Regis Philbin was his Ed McMahon, and uh, uh, Larry Fine. Walks out on stage, a surprise. Wheeled out or walks out? Uh, no, he actually walked oh, out. Oh, yeah, before his stroke. The stroke of luck. That's and, right. and he's, the stroke of luck. He's holding a little <laughs> box with him. Yeah. And uh, uh, he says, oh, I don't know. He had some kind of gift for uh, for um, uh, for Joey Bishop. He was plugging. I yeah. guess he got a job being a spokesman for something. Well, he was still a stooge at that point. Uh, yeah. And and so he brings out this box, and Joey Bishop goes, hey, what are you, do you got a pie in there? And because uh, and, he goes, because when I see one of you guys, I always expect you to bring out a pie. And, and, and Larry goes, would I wear a jacket like this if I had a pie? Very good. <laughs> Do <laughs> you remember the the very last Three Stooges appearance? Ooh. It was on Truth or Consequences. Ooh. The three of them, 1970. Yeah. Before Larry had the stroke. They come out, they stand there, they don't do a thing. So it was Curly like, Joe. Curly Joe, Mo, yeah. and Larry. Last last appearance, Truth, Truth, with Bob Barker, who's like a foot taller than Yeah. Him. And they're just standing there. They don't do any comedy. Oh. It's like worse than Mad, 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 Mad. Oh, World, yes, Or yes. at least they're dressed as firemen. They're just standing, and it's sad, but it's it's the last time they were they were stooges. And I think Larry had a stroke right after that, and that was the end of the act. And then they were even after Larry had a stroke. They were Mo was trying to revive the act. Yeah, and and I think this guy who was an assistant to Al Adamson or uh, his partner. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah, I forget his name, Simon something. Yeah, I know what you mean. And. He wanted to, he was planning, he was talking to Mo about making a Three Stooges movie, bringing Larry back into it, who was confined to a wheelchair. Right, right. And they said they'd have some scene where they go to either a health club or whorehouse. <laughs> 
and and Larry starts speeding around mm. on his wheelchair, going up to each of the girls. <laughs> I know that that film became Blazing Stewardesses. Oh yeah, and they used the Ritz brothers because they couldn't get the three Stooges. The, the two Ritz brothers who were still surviving. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Harry, 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 and his brother. Right. Yeah, Harry and- turns up in silent movie. Yeah, well, Mel Brooks yeah. was a huge Harry right. Ritz, and so right. was Jerry Lewis. They adored Harry Ritz. You know, it's like hard to even get a sense of how funny Harry Ritz was in the mo- from the movies. But if you supposedly you see saw him on stage, and he was just he would just like, go crazy on on stage. Why was Bishop so hated? Since you bring up since you know, Gilbert really brings up know. Jerry Bishop, I don't know. I've Joey heard Bishop. that, but he seemed like a nice, pleasant guy to me. But I don't know. Was he hated? Yeah. We haven't heard a kind word about him. Yeah. No, I, him I, I, him and Danny Kaye. Not a kind word I about Danny Kaye. I brought cool. along a deck of Joey Bishop playing cards okay. from, the Ju- from my Juzium. From the Juzium. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I travel with that. I want to <clears throat> read a section. Jeff Ross wrote, our pal Jeffrey Ross wrote the foreword to even more Jewish comedians. Third, old, third, old Jewish third comedians. Volume. The third volume. I want to read this. Don't feel sorry for us just because we're not lookers. It doesn't mean we don't get our share of conquests. In fact, comedians often do better with the opposite sex than our more amorous but less humorless friends. Hell, even Gilbert Gottfried has a hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she's also blind and deaf. <laughs> speaking of Gilbert, speaking of Gilbert, my new book is is called All the Presidents. So it's yes. portraits of, you know, there's no Jews in it. Yeah. It was an experiment. You know, how could I do a whole book with no Jews in it? I almost do because in yeah. the beginning in my forward to the book, I I draw I drew Jared Kushner yeah. And Lenny Bruce and Gilbert uh, is the voice of Jared Kushner. I know that. Yes, I yes. know that. I know on that. on what's his name? Really John, John John Oliver. You really captured. I, and I know Jared because he was the publisher of New York Observer. So oh. I, I met him a few times, and he sounds just like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in my book, it's uncanny actually. But in my book, um, you know, it, it's not a history book, so that's not like you know. I wouldn't recommend it to people who want to learn about the presidents. But in the book, there's like a fun fact that Kevin Doherty helped me put together for each president. Some of them are, um, uh, a couple of them that are interesting, I thought. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to buy this book, of course. Yes. So Gerald Ford was the first president who actually invited a Beatle to the White House. And that was George Harris. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. And Barack Obama collected comic books. He was a huge Spider-Man fan. Did you know that? No. And uh, Ulysses S. Grant is actually not buried in Grant's tomb. Huh. He's buried above ground. And the Trump fact, Trump is the last guy in the book, obviously. You know, I saved him to last to draw him because I couldn't accept that he was the president. I had to, like, I had to just, I, I, I put it to, you know, so I finally drew him. He's the last guy. So the fun fact about him is he is the first, Donald Trump is the first president to host a reality, a reality TV series that featured Gilbert Godfrey. There you go, Gil. Oh, excellent. There you yes. go. Black that, and white. That is the fun fact with Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. But when I was working on this book, one of the interesting things for me was like, you know, I was looking at these people, I was, I was drawing them and, and thinking like, well, who could play this person in a movie? Because some of them look like, I, I realized as I was drawing James Polk, that he looks just like Boris Karloff. Oh, wow. And Millard Fillmore looks just like Alec Baldwin, right? If you look at him, it's like, you know, it's uncanny. Uh, James Buchanan looks like John Lithgow. Uh, Andrew Johnson looks like Tommy Lee Jones. Jimmy Carter looks like William H. Macy. And Barack Obama looks like Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. <laughs> and, and George so... Washington looks like Stewie Stone. Stewie Stone. <laughs> somebody else mentioned, uh, 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 
William Bendix, which I didn't get. I don't get. see it. And also the, the guy who used to write those, um, uh, Mickey Spillane. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that one I see. When Barack Obama was still in office, I was always getting tweets <laughs> where people would tweet a picture of uh, me and Barack Obama, yeah. pictures of us pretty together. Yeah. Not, you got the ears. Yes. Similar haircut. And plus, you know, back in the old days, he had a fro and you had the Jew fro. Yes. So, you know. I'd like to point out that Gilbert played one of the people in this book. Abe Lincoln. Yes. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Twice. I, I love your Lincoln. I love your Hitler. On, yes. Uh, yes. On historical roads. Suck up. I, I you really I, captured it. The Lederhosen really put it over. I think I'm the only person who's played both Abe Lincoln and Adolf Hitler. <laughs> well, look that up. We mentioned Jared, and there's a documentary being prepared about Jared for Netflix. And um, the guys who made the Roger Stone, Get Me Roger Stone movie, have, have made this documentary. Yeah. It's going to be on Dirty Money, this series. And they came, actually came up to my house and filmed me for it, you know, talking about my, my relationship. I mean, like yeah. working for Jared at the New York Observer. And then the time I met him um, at, the, at the Four Seasons, he hosted a party. And that's the first time I met him. So uh, I told this story on air and I'll tell it now. It's like I approached him. Uh, I saw him at the bar by himself. And I said to Kathy, I'm going to go introduce myself. He knows who I am because he had bought some of my, my artwork, the covers that I did for The Observer. So I walked up to him. He was standing by himself. He hadn't been married to Ivanka yet. And he was, but he was hosting this huge anniversary party for The Observer. He was holding a glass of champagne. So I walked up, I, up to him. I said, hey, Jared, it's Drew Friedman. He goes, oh, hi, Drew. And he's like kind of looking around, surveying the crowd like Gatsby. And he goes, Drew, I'd like to talk to you, but there are a lot more, far more important people here for me to talk to. So, <laughs> shocking. So I like, so I like nodded and kind of backed off and went, went back to Kathy and she said, so how'd that go? And I said, well, this is what he said. And she couldn't believe it. Like, he really said that to you? I said, yeah, you know, and I found it kind of refreshing, you know, his honesty, yeah. his blatant honesty. So, um, you know. <laughs> and then a friend of, a mutual friend of, of ours, of Jared's and mine, Ken Curzon said he was talking to Jared recently, and he brought that up. He said, did you really say that to Drew Friedman? And Jared thought about it. He said, yeah, that sounds like something I would have said. So confirm, uh. confirms it. <laughs> wow. But they, the guys making this documentary, they want to have you come to the opening to do your Jared impression. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> and you'll, you'll be fed, so don't worry about it. <laughs> There's a meal you'll in be, it. You'll be well, you'll be well <laughs> fed. Here's some more wild card questions for you. <laughs> why, why, does, uh, why did Joan Rivers detest Jerry Lewis so much? Because she <laughs> Oh, it's a real question. <laughs> I have one more question for Groucho. Don't worry. Okay. I think it was vice versa. I think Jerry hated Joan Rivers. He, uh-huh. You know, he made, he made it clear he didn't like women comics. I mean, that dating back to the... He didn't like Phyllis, Phyllis Dove. Joan just said Jerry should be electrocuted. Yeah, she, they hated each yeah. other. You know, they yeah. hated each other. And uh, But I think, I think it was more him. He just dismissed female comics and that got back to her. And there could have been more to it than that. I think there's a Merv Griffith show with the, both of them on the panel. Back when Merv was doing those like really cool shows in the mid sixties, with- I I think we had two guests on this show who, what's amazing about them, had nice things to say about Jerry Lewis. Well, you and I do have nice <laughs> yes, things yes. to say about you. Jerry mean, Lewis. You mean yourself? Like we kind of, yeah. you know, got you know. No, Jerry Holmes said nice yeah, things about. Jerry. I think Jerry liked you, and he liked me. He liked. He called me when my first Jewish comedians book came out, and I was nervous about it, but he made a fuss on it. And they invited Jerry, he invited Kathy and I to Las Vegas to be his guests at one of the telethons, the second to last telethon. So, you know, uh, we were there in Las Vegas. And then the night before they were setting up, he was in his jazzy. But I yeah. wanted to meet him. I had never met him. Oh, I had talked yeah. to him. So I approached him and we had a little talk. He met Kathy. Couldn't have been sweeter and nicer. 
he starts moving away in his little jazzy cycle, you know, because yeah. he's like, you know, zip, zipping back and forth. And I say, as he's leaving, he goes, I just met Drew Friedman. <laughs> and someone says like, who's Drew Friedman? He goes, the artist, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Charming. I, I remember yeah. when they were dedicating uh, that wall of the Friars Club to him. <clears throat> and it was an outdoor ceremony, of course. And I was sitting in a chair and I wound up sitting right next to Jerry. And he was like, he would start yelling out. It, it was everything you want Lewis to <laughs> of be. Of course. He was like heckling the ceremony, and when he'd yell out a joke, after each joke, he'd grab my arm and squeeze it, like, uh, get it? And yeah. and I thought, wow, he's pulling me in on it. It's like he took a liking to you, and he took, and I was nervous as hell, Yeah, you know, when he first called me, and I knew he was going to call, because the editor of The Observer said Jerry Lewis was going to be calling, because yeah. I, I did some tribute to him. So I said, shit, you know, I had to get my nerve yeah. up, and I knew when he was, he was going to call the next day, so I said, okay, don't mention Dean Martin. Yeah. Don't mention Abby Greshler, his first agent, yes. who we wound up hating. And don't mention Sammy Petrello. Yeah. You know? And I didn't. And we had a great conversation. He would call back and everything. So then, you know, my friend Dave Abramson is writing this biography of Sammy Petrello. And for those not who don't know, Sammy Petrello is the guy who used to imitate Jerry Lewis. Mutant Jerry Lewis. Jerry yeah. discovered him, uh, you know, as a teenager, yeah. hired him, used him once on the Colgate show. Milton Berle also used him. Um, Eddie Cantor used him. And then he broke off and, and appeared in that film with Bela Lugosi and Duke and, Mitchell. And I think Eddie Cantor fucked him. Well, too. of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucked everybody. But, you know, my friend who's writing this biography said, like, you know, well, the interview I would love to get is Jerry Lewis. I said, I can make that happen for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be talking to Jerry. I'm going to bring it up. And I got my nerve up. And I said, Jerry, um, my friend, this journalist Dave Abramson, is writing this biography of... Sammy Petrello, he would love to interview for it. Jerry paused. I said, you know, I was like, oh, God. He goes, why would anybody write a book about Sammy Petrillo? I said, well, it's an amazing story, this young kid who was obsessed with you and, and basically became you, and then, you know, you hired him, and then he went on to have this, you know, this low-end career in show business for 50 years. And he goes, all right, have your friend call me. Huh? And, and he was interviewed for the book. Wow. You know, he talked to he talked to Dave for a few minutes about Sammy, you know, he said I discovered him when he was a teenager on the street in time, in uh, on 49th Street and he was imitating me and I brought him up to the studio and he met Dean and then I used him and and then, you know, he didn't have a lot to say, but he remembered distinctly Sammy Petrillo. And Sammy would have been 16 at the time. So so uh the two of us can use that classic showbiz phrase, well, he was always nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yeah. use it with you because people, you know, I mean, Jerry, you know, Jerry, when Jerry liked you, he liked you a lot. He would say, yeah. I like, when I like you, I like you a lot. When I don't, when I hate you, I hate you a lot. So and the best <laughs> compliment I ever got was um, uh, one time they were like honoring Jerry Lewis somewhere and I went up and did a lot of like my crazy you shit. Did, you did the, the aristocrats joke at, at the Hilton. Yeah. And 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 afterwards, and and some even more disgusting. And afterwards, Jerry Lewis walks over to me with that serious Jerry face, and he goes, "Gilbert, you are out of your fucking mind." <laughs> and then he goes, 
and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Now, the disgusting story you told it was that even more disgusting than the Jack Klugman story we're not allowed to tell? Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm going to move fast. Cause, cause, all right, all right. Because that's possibly the most disgusting yeah, thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's horrible. And you know the, the audience the, wants to hear yes, it. Yes, of course but they I'm not gonna do. But I'm not going to tell it. Of course they I, do. I couldn't I, live. I, I can't had live. someone ask me today. Uh-huh. <laughs> they say, we were listening to an episode with Richard Kind. Yeah. Who was the chicken hawk? Oh, we're not going to. Yeah, we can't, yeah, we we can't, can't repeat that. that. No. Yeah. <laughs> I have do have one more question for okay. Groucho. Okay. Although certain people know it. <laughs> this one, this yes. question I've been wondering about for yes, years. Yeah. And uh, if you can answer this, Groucho, why did you appear as Doctor Peabody in Problem Child Three? <laughs> because, because Chico needed the money. I thought it was explains Gilbert needed it. the money. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> See that. That's how bad Chico was doing. That I did, I did Problem Child three to, be a to good, help Chico. It had to be a good reason. Who else did you stay in touch with? I mean, who else got in touch from the from the Jewish well, comedians you know, books? The, I know you ran afoul of Rickles and Sid Caesar. And, I, I didn't and Jack have direct Carter. contact with Don Rickles and Sid Caesar. And what they were upset about is that their their names were outed. Their mm-hmm. their real names were outed because Kathy and I did research on what the real Jewish names were when they were born. So. But Donald Rickles was born Archibald Donald Rickles. He wanted that to be a secret. Not on Wikipedia. It's Not funny. Well, no mention they, of like it. his agent and everybody, yeah. they took that down. And Sid Caesar was born Isaac Sidney Caesar. So their legacy, you know, it was like about their legacy. It's like Sid Caesar, Donald Rickles. That's it, you know. See, now, now I, I heard the way the name Caesar came about. Sid Caesar said when his father was passing through Ellis Island, uh, his father was a tailor. And he was trying to explain it, but he couldn't speak English. So he started doing a move with uh, his two fingers like scissors. And he goes, you know, uh, uh, Caesar, yeah. Caesar. Oh, well, that's, that's interesting. Great. And, and the that. guy just wrote down that his name was Caesar. <laughs> that's great. But you stayed in touch with other people. Well, like you got to know Mickey Freeman. Ones. You got to know well, some Car- of these Carl guys when the, first, when the book first came out, some of these guys, we, the books were sent to some of the right. you know, comedians, the still living ones. So. Mickey Freeman called instantly. He right. loved it. Freddie Roman. Right. And then Jerry Lewis called. And then, you know, the friars started throwing parties for the books and inviting some of the comedians. Storch, obviously. Larry Storch and, and Freddie Roman, of course. And uh, uh, Eddie Lawrence, the old philosopher, sure. was there. Did you ever Eight. hear from Marty Ingalls or uh, or no. uh, Buddy Hackett or any of these? No, pers- no. Some yeah. of them, you know, like, I, I, you know, they wanted to send books to Jackie Mason and Joan Rivers. I right. said, nah, don't do it. Don't because right, right, you never right. know. It's right. like you know, I don't don't bother them. And some of them with happening careers, they couldn't be bothered with it. And then other guys like Mickey Freeman, it basically revived his career. And Mickey would call me. And you remember Mickey from the Bilko show? He used to talk like this, Sarge. You know, Sarge. Uh, Joan Hogan is the best looking dame on the on the on the in the force. But he would call me, and all of a sudden he had this English accent. English accent. Oh, jeez. Hello, this is Mickey Freeman. I just want to, I really love you. He would, he would call me, he goes, you know, Drew, all of show business loves your book. And I'm thinking, Mickey, Mickey is this, Mickey somehow is the spokesman for all of show business. All of, so he was speaking for, for for Sean Puffy Combs and Britney Spears. Uh, Jack Carter was pissed off at you, of course, famously. You Jack Carter, well, told you know, story, my friend Ben Schwartz interviewed a few guys for the Los Angeles Times, so he interviewed Jack Jack Carter was pissed off about his portrait. He wanted me to draw him again. He said, "Look at that stupid face he gave me. He 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 gave me a, a balding head and he gave me liver spots." He <laughs> says, "You should draw me again." But he liked the Buddy Hackett I drew and he liked Sid Caesar. He thought I captured them. So 
It, it's funny. <laughs> we we almost had Jack Carter on this podcast. I know, podcast. very close. Yeah. He was another guy. He wound up in a wheelchair. He was bitter, but he you know, was like banking on a comeback, you know, like that kind of situation. Well, we should direct our listeners to Cliff's wonderful shit Jack Carter says. Yeah. On well, Cliff the, was, on his Cliff blog. Was, Jack Carter was going to hire Cliff to write his his biography, you know, to be he his told ghost us that writer. story. Went to the yeah, house. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and then he was just like insulting Cliff as he was leaving. Some giant statue <laughs> of a loser like you get to uh, you know get a book deal. And, you know, just like insulting the guy, and the guy wants to help him and get his name back in, in the public eye. A bitter man. Yeah. <laughs> Who's angrier, Jack Carter or uh, or Pat Cooper? Well, I think it's Pat Cooper's up. was more shtick than more Jack shtick. Carter, you know. But you know, I think as you know, these guys get older and they're kind of forgotten. You know, this is like you know, a lot of them become bitter. Let's plug the Jewish comedian books, all three of them. Well, old, they're all out of print. Old Jewish, they're is, all out of which print, is a, which is a good thing. Son but of you, a bitch. you can get them on eBay. Okay. And I don't think I'm going to do a fourth because I'm running out of old Jewish comedians. Uh-huh. I have a list of. I mean, I I never drew. Uh, uh, the guy next to me didn't show up in any of the volumes. Well, now he's eligible. You know, some of them, you know, some of these guys. When I did the first, I did the first book twelve years ago, and I couldn't draw um, uh, Richard Belzer because right. he was still a younger man. Sure. Or Albert Brooks, right? Because he was a younger man. But now they're in I, the third volume, aren't they? Uh, Belzer is Belzer's in the third in there with because the dog. he crossed. He crossed like sixty six. I thought, well, okay. it's getting old. But Albert Brooks, when I met him um, in in Los Angeles, he um, at a party. So he knew who he knew my book. So he the first thing he said was, Drew, how come my dad wasn't in your old Jewish comedian book? I said, Well, because your dad wasn't old enough. He died young. Now his dad, of course, was Park Your Carcass, who died yeah, on, sure. on the road at the at the Lucy Desi Roast in nineteen fifty eight. Did his act, killed, he was great. It's on it's on it's it was recorded, sat down and leaned forward and died, you know. And he was like if you listen to the recording, he was great. And, yeah. Al, and young Albert, who was 10 at the time, helped his dad out with the routine. He was really proud that, that night because his dad went, finished his routine, and then died. You know, But he killed. He was funnier than George Burns was that night, and Milton Berle and Dean Martin were all in the roast. So when I met Albert, he asked me that. And then I said, well, you know, he, he just died too young. And, and then Albert said, you know, Drew, did you know that Harpo's ex-wife married Frank Sinatra? And I said, um... No, it wasn't Harpo's ex-wife. It was uh, Zeppo's ex-wife. He goes, no, it was Harpo's ex-wife. I said, look, I have, An- <laughs> I have Andy Marks, Groucho's grandson, standing right here. Yeah. I said, Andy, which of your uncle's ex-wives married Frank Sinatra? And Andy said, Zeppo. Barbara Marks. Yeah. So yeah. that was my Marshall McLuhan moment. Yeah, it was like Annie Hall. Basically. Right. Like it was <laughs> handy right. to have, have right Groucho's here. grandson this, standing this right there. This is a great story. <laughs> I, I just told it again recently, but I love that story with uh, Bob Einstein. Einstein. And, yeah, yeah, your father died doing what he loved. Yeah. yeah. And he said, when he heard that, that made him cringe. Yeah, he didn't like hearing and, that. And he said, uh, what does your mother do? <laughs> And and he said she's a housewife. And he goes, let's go over to her house while she's doing the laundry, and I'll pull out a gun and blow her fucking brains out, and we can say she died doing what she loved. Uh, nice. God bless Bob Einstein. Uh, nice. We just we Bob just was, eulogized you know, him. I'm sure Albert was affected. You know, really affected by that. But he was, you know, it was 
proud of his dad. And it's like, he, I don't think he had issues with the fact that his father died, you know, when he was 10 years old because his father went out with a bang. Sure. You know, Einstein su- uh, supposedly had issues with the, the comics that were cracking wise during his eulogy. Mm. Right, really? his funeral service. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my understanding. You can listen to the recording of, of Park Your Carcass. It's fascinating. Uh, you know, that last, you know, when, and they cut away right before he has a stroke. Because I've heard, you know, the stories where Milton Berle's screaming, like, is there yeah. a doctor in the house? Sure. And there's chaos. And then Lucy and Desi uh, separated right after and divorced. Right after. I had to think that might affect. And Gilbert, <laughs> before we end, could you just tell me, tell the story of when Lucy walked in the dressing room with Desi, the one time. And what... <laughs> you know the story. Wait. <laughs> Desi was with oh, a woman in the dressing oh, yes. room. This story. Yes. Lucy walked in. And she went, and what, ah! did, <laughs> what did Desi say? Frank, do you remember this? <laughs> He's like, the woman is blowing him. Yeah. Right? And Desi is like acting... Lucy walks in. Oh, yes. And Desi is like acting like, oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> Like he had no idea. Who told us that one? And you know why that that woman was blowing Desi? Uh, That was Aaron. Was it Aaron Aaron Fleming? Because Flemo (laughs) needed the money. We'll also plug the book, uh, Drew Friedman's Chosen People, because Gilbert and I are both in the book. Yes, Gilbert is in that book. I think three times, three portraits of Gilbert in that book. Yes, that book. So. You know, yes. And then the new book is All the Presidents. All so the I Presidents. Hope, there's no Jews in I'm it. I'm holding it up, but we're, we're an audio-only podcast. It was an interesting book to do because, uh, you know, it was like unexpected. So it was kind of an experiment. Um, and again, like I said, no Jews in it, but very some very interesting faces. Anything else you can talk about in the planning stages? I have a new book I'm working on. I'm not ready quite. I'm not quite right. ready to discuss that, but there are Jews in it. So, you know, we're, we're okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, we can, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, I just want to say that hopefully everybody is a member of the Bobby Barber group on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, let's and, plug the Bobby and, Barber and, book. And the Sammy Petrillo group on Facebook. <laughs> I take great pride in those two groups. We have questions from uh, listeners, but we'll ask them uh, in this little uh, post-show thing that we'll do. We'll do a little video for okay. the people on Patreon. So please, guys, support us on Patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, and follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and the various listener societies on Facebook. Thanks to Stephen Varley, Daniel Spaventa, Jason Shabiro. Am I saying his name right? Shabiro. Shabiro. I've, I think I've said it wrong three weeks in a row. That's okay. And all our friends at Starburns. And uh, definitely follow the Bobby Barber group, above all. Yes, and let me just like plug briefly the the film that Kevin Doherty is making. Oh, I forgot to ask about the doc. Vermeer of the Borschbelt, which is the documentary be- being made about me and my career. Yes. And in a lot of interviews, including with you guys and, uh, you know, a lot, and, and Pat Oswalt and, and Richard Kind and Eddie everybody. Gordetsky, yeah. a lot of, a yeah. lot of, and, you know, I'm not in uh, the film, I'm not involved in the film. I'm just the subject, but what I've seen, I'm very impressed with. And hopefully it'll be out this year. Cliff Nestor's. Let's nest nest a flavin. And we love Kevin. Yes. Kevin. So he's doing a great job. So, you know, if you want to throw him some money, making these documentaries is expensive. So Kevin has a lot of expenses. But you know, it should be a fun a fun film. All right. And go to eBay and buy this these outer print books and all the presidents. The new one. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Gilbert. Yes, and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and Judas himself, <laughs> Drew Friedman. And and you know why Drew Friedman came here today? 
Because Chico needed the money. <laughs> the only reason. <laughs> we'll see you on Patreon. Exactly. You know we can't smile without you. We can't smile without you. We can't laugh and we can't sing unless we hear those telephones ring. We feel sad. Then you call, we feel glad when you call. If you only knew what we're going through, we just can't smile without you. Once had a plan, then I began to follow it through. Isn't it great that now you're part of a team, part of a dream, soon to come true? So you see, we can't smile without you. We can't smile without you. We can't laugh, I big guy. We can't sing unless we hear those telephones ring. We feel sad, and then you call. We feel glad when you call. If you only knew what we're going through, we just can't smile. Those songs may be sung. May appear, don't lose the meaning of one thing we know. This is a show called Love, Love. We can't smile without you. We can't smile without you. We can't laugh. We can't sing unless we hear those telephones ring. Thank you very much.